was Jesus? Who is Jesus? That's the question. That's the question. Was he a real person? What did he say? What did he do? What made him so special? What made him different than any other man in history? The records show. His birth was a miracle. His mom was a virgin and she was pregnant. He made the blind see. The deaf hear. The mute speak. The paralyzed walk. He healed terrible diseases. He knew what was in men's minds. He knew what was in men's hearts. He knows what is in men's hearts. He knew the story of people's lives without ever having met them. He spoke with authority. He amazed teachers. He amazed everyone. Nature obeyed him. He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He walked on top of the water. He could change the weather. He fed 5,000 people from one lunchbox. He brought people who were dead back to life. He loved sinners. He loved everyone. 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 He forgave sins. He never made a mistake. He never once sinned. But we judged him. We whipped and beat him. We spit on him. And we killed him. He loved us anyway. He loves us anyway. He died for us. He died so that we wouldn't have to. He paid for our sins with his life. Did I mention he loves us? He came back to life. He was dead. Then he was alive. A lot of people saw him. He is coming back. Who is Jesus? That's a big question. That's the big question. What does it even matter? What does it matter to you? Who is Jesus? My answer doesn't matter to you. Only your answer matters to you. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? to the fourth installment in the I Am series where we are looking at the most important question in the whole wide world, which as the, the video just posed, we're trying to answer the question of who is Jesus. And instead of reading about him and hearing about him, we're hearing from him himself. All right, and we're going to his own words and seeing what he said. And he made seven very famous I Am statements in the scriptures. And so far we've looked at three of the I Am, I am statements so far. And let's see if we can refresh my memory. The first week we looked at Jesus' statement in John chapter 11 where he said, I am, oof, where he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me shall never die. Even though he dies, he shall live. And then the second week, we looked at my personal favorite of all of Jesus' I am statements. I told you the picture hanging in my wall in my bedroom. When Jesus said in John chapter 10 that I am, the Good Shepherd, and we talked about the shepherd and the sheep, and that's a beautiful one. Okay, if you missed that one, you got to go back and check that one out. Then last week, we had a very inspirational and, and gut-wrenching I am from Christ, where he said in John chapter 8, he said, I am the light of the world. And he said, there ain't no darkness in the world that my light can't shine. And that was a beautiful, touching message. If you ever feel like your life is in darkness, go read John chapter 8 when he said, I am the light of the world, and see why Jesus is the light. And today, and today, we are going to read, or we're going to see in the next I am statements what Jesus said in John chapter 15, when he said, John 15, 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Where he said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, 
for without me you can do nothing. This to me, in my personal humble opinion, for what it's worth, is one of Jesus' most dramatic statements. And this is one of those ones that you read this and you're like, okay, Jesus, like, you're great and like you said lots of nice stuff, but you're kind of being a little drama here. A little drama. Like, without me, you can do nothing. Like, come on, a little overly dramatic here, right? Like, like you know, like, Jesus is a good guy, and, like, it's good to have him in our life, and we pray and stuff, but, like, come on. Like, we don't really believe that without him we can do nothing. Do we really believe that? Well, we shall see today. First, let's get a little context on this verse. This verse appears in John chapter 15. Let's get some context of where John 15 is in the life of Christ, because it's important to understand the context. John 15 is a, is a passage where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, but it's a conversation that began two chapters earlier in John 13. John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 is all one, like, event. One, one, one like, conversation, so to speak. John 13, what famous event happens in John 13? What famous event? Famous, famous, famous event. John 13 is when Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples, okay? But John 13 doesn't talk about the supper as much as it talks about what he did when he washed the feet of his disciples, okay? But it's the same situation. So Jesus is on Thursday before he's going to die on Friday. So it's Thursday, he's going to die on Friday. It's called the Last Supper. Why is it called the Last Supper? Because it was Jesus' last supper. <laughs> don't, don't overthink yourself, believe me. Sometimes we over-spiritualize things. Why was it called the last? It's just because it was his last supper. Okay, he ate, he didn't eat again because he has this supper, he washes, he has this supper, he does the washing of the feet, all that kind of stuff, and then he talks with his disciples, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, John 18, the conversation ends, they go out to Gethsemane, the garden where Jesus prays, and then he gets arrested, and that's the rest of the story of Jesus. So John 15 is smack dab in the middle of the last supper conversation so basically, this is Jesus' last meal with his disciples, and this is the dinner conversation that Jesus is having with them. My point is, is that it isn't just like small talk like, hey, did you know that you're nothing without me? Like, it wasn't one of those. It wasn't in passing. It was calculated and very precise of Jesus telling his disciples, I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to tell you this about what's going to happen when I leave, and I want you to very, very, very carefully listen to me when I tell you that I'm the vine, you're the branches. Without me... You can do nothing. But with me, he who abides in me can bear much fruit. Let's just go ahead and get out of the way. What is he talking about when he talks about fruit? We need to understand what is the fruit that he's talking about. What does it mean when we say we bear much fruit? What's the fruit that he's talking about? Well, we, we look at the scripture to explain the scripture. All right, the scripture explains the scripture. So the scripture teaches us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, that the fruit of the Spirit is these. Love, joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. So when Jesus says that if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear fruit, he's not saying that you'll get a, a big house. Or he's not saying that you're going to be the most popular kid in your high school class. Or he's not saying that the cop is always going to let you off the ticket. That's not the fruit that we're talking about. The fruit we're talking about, we're talking about love. We're talking about joy. We're talking about peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. If this is what the fruit is, what Jesus is telling us is the question I'm going to answer for you today is how to get these things. How do you get more love in your life? How do you get more joy in your life? How do you get peace in your life? How do you get patience? How do you get kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? He says there's two options. 
There's a tree. And then there's a branch. And he's saying that there's some branches that are connected to a tree. And there's some branches that are not connected to a tree. Branch with a tree. Branch without a tree. You know those like uh, Apple and Microsoft kind of thing? Okay. One of those. Branch with a tree. Branch without a tree. If I'm this branch and I'm on that tree, I'm not going to be shocked when I start seeing some fruits. I'm expecting fruits. I'm going to be shocked if there's no fruits. I'm expecting that I'm the fruitiest fruit branch in the whole wide world. Because that's the kind of branch, a tree that I'm connected to. But if I'm this guy, I'm going to be pretty surprised if this guy bears some fruit. Aren't you? Like, you're going to be surprised if you got this guy and all of a sudden you start seeing an apple pop up over here or a pear over there. Because this, you don't expect this to bear much fruit. And the example that Jesus is teaching us is if you want love, joy, peace, all these kinds of good things, then you want to make sure that you don't look like this in life. You want to make sure that you look like that in life. Because if you look like this, you shouldn't be surprised that if you don't bear fruit. See, life teaches us that, and for those who know anything about, uh, uh, I don't know, agriculture is not the right word, trees, what's, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Horton here's a what did you say? <laughs> horticulture, okay, those who know about horticulture know, all right, that the branch isn't as significant as the environment of the branch, or another said another way, that if I have a strong tree that's bearing lots of fruits, and then I have a branch like this one, which didn't bore fruit before, but I grafted in. Y'all know what grafted in means? All right, if I grafted into that tree, it's, it's much more like, like any branch grafted into a healthy tree. Not any branch, but for the most part, the health of the tree is more important than the health of the branch. If I take a healthy branch off of that tree and keep it by itself, it will not bear fruit. If I take a branch that does not bear fruit and I graft it into a tree that does, then it most likely has a much better shot of bearing fruit. Same thing with the seed in the soil. That's why Jesus gave the parable of the soil. If I take a seed, no matter how great these seeds are, the soil is the determining factor for the fruitfulness of the seed. Same thing with us. Us, if we want fruits in our life, the environment in which we plant ourselves is more important than any inherent ability in the branch in and of itself. Jesus said this and earlier in John chapter 15. He said, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, I am the true vine, what is he implying? That they are imposter vines. They are fake vines out there. And he's saying that make sure that you connect to the right vine, because if you connect to the wrong vine, you won't bear fruit. What's the wrong vine? Vase with water. Branch. Who thinks is going to bear fruit? How if I leave it here a couple days? Y'all think this will bear fruit? Couple, add, add more water? Bigger vase? What happens oftentimes in life, let's see if that'll stay. What happens oftentimes in life is that's how we live our lives. Isn't that how we live our lives? With the wrong vine, connected to the wrong vine. We think, for example, I'm lonely. I don't feel loved. I need love. And we go to try to connect ourselves all kinds of different vines, but it's not their true vine. We end up looking like that. We think we need joy. And we think, okay, the way to find joy is party, hang out, 
more friends, social whatever. And we think that's the path to joy. We think the path to, the path to peace is a promotion at work. We think the path to patience is throw the kids out the house. None of those things. None of those things are the true vine. Oftentimes, we spend all of our lives, and this is why we find ourselves frustrated in our Christian walk, because we spend all our time investing in the wrong vine. That promotion ain't work, ain't going to give you peace, no matter how much you try. The next relationship isn't going to give you love, no matter how much you try. The only thing that's going to give you these fruits is being connected to the true vine, which Jesus says is himself. So here's what we're going to do for the rest of today. We're going to talk about what it means to be connected to the vine and what life should look like connected to the vine. But I want to be very, like, personal today. I want to be very specific. I don't want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit for the disciples of Jesus. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about you. I want to ask you, which fruit of the Spirit are you lacking? Look at your life and, and, and see where in your life you're lacking some fruit. Maybe, like I said, with patience. Maybe you, you feel like, uh, you know, patience, I'm, I'm, I don't have any patience. I don't have any self-control. Uh, kindness, you know what I mean? If there's a kindness award at work, no one's nominating me. Faithfulness, I give up so easy on anything once it becomes difficult. Ask yourself, which fruit of the Spirit are you lacking? And what we're going to do is we're going to look together and see how it is that through connecting to the vine, we can find ourselves bearing fruit in those areas. The false vine... King Solomon, richest man ever, most powerful man ever, had everything, prestige, power, possessions, like pleasure, like whatever it is you want, he had all. And he said at the end of all that stuff, all that stuff is vanity of vanities. None of that stuff gave me fruit. What we want to see is how to find fruit when connected to the true vine. I'm going to give you two simple truths today, and they're so simple that they seem like not even worth mentioning, but just humor me on this, right? Because I, I, I'm not that deep and not profound, so I, I just, I'm going to break down this verse in a very simple way. Fact number one, truth number one, is staying connected produces fruit. Key, staying connected. Connecting to the vine does not produce fruit. Connecting does not produce fruit. If I take the branch, I graft it into the tree, and then an hour later I pull it out. Fruit or no fruit? No fruit. Connecting doesn't bear fruit. Staying connected bears fruit. God taught me this lesson very recently, and I'll share a funny little story here with you about how no fruit comes quickly. No fruit comes quickly. No farmer plants a seed and is waiting for the fruit to come up by, by dinner time. It takes time. Funny story. A story that I bet you could listen to a thousand sermons of Orthodox priests and you never hear one say what I'm about to say. Which I'm sure all the people who like to criticize me will love, will record this sermon and, and, and use this many times. So recently, just a week ago, I got a hot tub. <laughs> Every priest needs a hot tub, right? I got a hot tub. And through the hot tub, as my wife is cringing right now, okay? God taught me this lesson about the importance of staying with it. So, long story, short, okay? We bought a new house. I told y'all we bought a new house a couple months ago, all right? And the new house came with a hot tub. 
okay? When we were inquiring about the house, they said the hot tub is as is, which means it is broken, okay? Which in my mind, I knew it was going to be broken, and that's fine. We never had a hot tub. Like, I never, I never had one. I, it's not a necessity in life. We lived all our lives with a hot tub. It's not a big deal. Kids wanted a hot tub. They were very excited. And we wanted the kids to be excited about the house, so we said, okay, there's a hot tub and there's a hot tub, but it might not work, so... Anyway, the deal was I would call a repairman. If it can be repaired for a couple hundred bucks, we'd repair it. Two repairmen came. Both said, you cannot repair this. It's very old. You can only replace it. So I said, no hot tub. This is a very easy problem, okay, because I saw the prices of hot tubs, and I said, it's, it's out of our league, okay? We ain't getting no hot tub. I have a daughter. Here's her pinky finger. Here's me. And I put it all, 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 put it all. Finally, we need to get a hot tub. I said, okay. So long story short, thousands of dollars later, we have a hot tub in our backyard. <laughs> now, one of the things that I had negotiated with the hot tub guy is because I had an old one, and I bought a used one, okay, because I had an old one that I should be able to save a lot of money by using old parts. And I was very particular about, we don't need a new electricity setup. We already got it. Use the old one. And we already got the water. And we already got the, the bait. Like, it's already. So we negotiated down to the bare minimum. And one of the things that a hot tub comes with, I know I'm an expert in hot tub. This is what I'm saying. No Orthodox priest are going to hear this ever again, okay? <laughs> is it has this metal bar thing that helps hold the cover when it comes off. Don't worry about what it is. It doesn't really matter. It's got this metal bar thing. I said, keep the metal bar. We're not buying a new one. We're going to use the old one. They installed the, the new hot tub. And they tried to put the bar on. The bar was too small. It needed to be widened. So I said, okay, you know, we'll just remove the screws. They, four big, huge guys, bigger than me, big power tools, big muscles, couldn't get the bar, the screws out of the bar because they had really rusted in there. Like they were, and they had their drills and all this stuff, and they couldn't get it out. So they said, sir, you have two options. One is no bar. Two is buy a new bar. I said, okay, you guys leave. And I knew there was a third option. Third option is I'll fix it myself. I will fix this thing myself, because if it's going to save me a couple hundred bucks, I'll fix it myself. I will not buy a new one. I will fix it myself. Long story short, three days of hard labor, four trips to Home Depot, about 12 hours of hot, sweaty labor in the hot, hot, hot weather, and about $175 worth of power tools later, I got the screws out. <laughs> I got the screws out. But how I got the screws out was not in one instant. It was drill and and then break the bit and then pull the next bit and a little bit more. And every day I get a little bit more. And there was three screws. And I, got, I was going at them one at a time. And I was drill, 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 drill. And I'd take a break and drill, 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 break the bit, get a new bit, break all the bits, go to Home Depot, get stronger bits. And I kept asking them, well, give me like the strongest bit, like made of kryptonite or whatever it is you can give me anything to get these screws out and it kept giving me more stuff and like I said I spent hundreds of dollars at Home Depot but it became not about money at that point in time it became about a mission I'm telling you I finished that last one I stood on my deck beat my chest <laughs> and declared I'm ready to open up my own power drilling business now <laughs> I'm the greatest power driller in the universe after I did this the point is of my story, the point of my story is, is that in the same way, there's no such thing as a one shot. Those four guys wanted to get it at one shot, and they couldn't get it. But when you take after a little bit, 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 I'm telling you, 
the enjoyment and the satisfaction that one has when one chips away and chips away and chips away and chips away is unmatched. It's the same with the fruit of the Spirit. My fear is that some of us, we want some fruit. Connect to God for a weekend. No fruit, and we give up. It's Holy Week. Plug into God. Holy Week's over. Unplug. Uh, a retreat. Uh, read my Bible in the morning. Uh, go to church on Sunday, but by Monday, all gone. Getting connected doesn't produce fruit. Staying connected produces fruit. And I'm telling you, I don't know because I ain't God, but I'm telling you, when we get up there and all is revealed, he's going to reveal to us that there were a lot of times in life where we were on the verge of fruit, but we gave up too soon. Where you were on the verge. You were on the verge, but you gave up too soon. That you were walking and you were doing. And God, you were about to turn a corner. You were about to hit the corner where you turn the corner on whatever fruit it is that you're looking for. But what happens is, is that when you're walking, again, back to the drill thing, that drilling and drilling and ready to give up. No, don't give up. Every little drill bit makes a little bit time. Keep going and keep going. And I'm dead tired. No, keep going. And next day, and keep going. And then trust me, step one, back to the drill. The drill, step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, step whatever, they all look the same. But that last step, you don't see it come, but that last step, and that thing falls out, and you are Superman, the king of the world. That's the difference between connecting and abiding in him. That's why he says, that he who abides in me and I in him. Abides doesn't mean plug in. Abides means make my residence, make it my home. Jesus says this in John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, the Jews who believed, he says this, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth and truth shall make you free. Look what Jesus makes a distinction. He said, those who believed, he told them to abide. See that? Those who believed, he said, that's good that you believe, but abide. Believe is good, but believe ain't going to produce fruit. Believe, abide. See the difference? Believe, abide. And Jesus taught us today that the key to fruit is abiding. Make it personal. Where are you at? You're praying for self-control. Self-control. You got a, a sin. You got a temper. You got a, a, an issue. You praying for self-control. Abide. Stay with it. Don't give up. I know you want to give up. I want to give up. We all want to give up. I know, you, I know it, but don't give up. Stay with it. Abide. Keep going. Keep on praying. Keep on reading your Bible. Keep on making repentance. Keep on going to church. I keep on. Keep on abiding. Yeah, it's easy to, to get here. I, I, I could have given up five minutes before and I said, this thing is open. Believe me, I wanted to give up on that thing. And I could have given up and said, this thing will never come out. And the guys would have said, you're right, it would never come out. And my wife would have said, it's never going to come out. And all the neighbors who were staring at me would say, this thing's never going to come out. But did it come out? It came out. Are you ever going to get self-control? Everyone around you say you never get self-control. You can never control your temper. You can never control this problem. Can you control that problem? Yes, you can. If we abide in the tree, in the vine. Anything in life, this isn't just spiritual. Anything in life, if you do not have the persistence to abide, you want to just jump into medical school for a few days, but once it gets hard, like, you're not being a doctor unless you abide in medical school. You're not going to be a lawyer unless you abide in law school. You're not going to abide in your marriage. Or, I'm sorry, you're not going to find fruit in your marriage unless you're willing to abide and stay 
and fight through and persevere. It's the same thing with the fruit of the Spirit. Staying connected produces fruit. Now the flip side of that, okay, again, I'm not very deep, but simple truths. Being disconnected produces nothing. See, I can't guarantee you that if you stay connected for another minute, you'll find fruit. I can't guarantee it. Five minutes, ten minutes, I can't guarantee it. But I can guarantee you this. The minute you disconnect, you'll find zero fruit. That's the one surefire guarantee. That I can't tell how long it's going to take to keep on. But I tell you this, once you stop trying, once you give up on the vine, you find nothing. That's why Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. I know it's silly because I'm talking to a branch. Without the tree, you can do nothing. And you wouldn't think it's funny to say to the tree, you can do nothing without the tree. Well, that's what Jesus is saying to us. He's not saying, like, I'm a nice guy, pray every now and then. Like, he's not saying that. He's saying, you're this, I'm that. This, without that, is worthless. And just like the picture there, uh, a computer, not a laptop, but like a, a vacuum cleaner, without being plugged in, it would be the fanciest vacuum cleaner in the whole wide world with bells and whistles and, and, and all kinds of alarms, all kinds of great stuff. Man, if that sucker ain't plugged into the wall, it's going to do nothing. You have the greatest TV in the whole wide world with HD this and HD that. Man, if it doesn't plug into the wall, it's going to do nothing. And you, as a child of God, as a human being, unless you are plugged into the vine, you're worthless like a branch. Jesus says this. After he says, without me, you can do nothing. Same verse. He expands on it because he knows that it's hard for us to sink in our heads. He said, if anyone does not abide in me, to the branch, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them in the fire. They are burned. Ah, that's tough. Is that tough? Is that tough? Let me ask you. You find this in your yard, what are you going to do with it? You throw it away. You can throw it in a fire. If you got a fire, if you don't have fire, you put it in a compost thing. Either way, you can kick it in the neighbor's yard, like whatever. You ain't keeping this thing around. You ain't being patient with this thing to see if it's going to bear fruit because it's dead. It's dead. It has no value because it's not connected to the vine. You know what we do? Because we disconnect from the vine, we fake it. We fake it. We fake it. We pretend we have no love, no joy, no peace, no patience. We have none of that stuff. We fake it. And we just try to be positive. We just try to tell ourselves everything's okay. And we just try to, you know, you know, kind of, we dress up the branch. We decorate. We get them fake flowers from home goods, and we just kind of put them all around it. We spray it around, and, and we try to dress it up. But you know what happens when you're not connected to the vine? You can fake it. You can fake it until the first thing goes wrong. Until the first thing goes wrong in your day. You can fake that you have peace, and you can say the right words, and you can say it. First, first person to cross your path the wrong way, and you see where that peace goes. You can fake it that you got kindness. You can say all the right things on the outside. You'd be a polite person, but first person to push your buttons, you can push some buttons back. Only way to find real fruit is to abide in the vine. It's simple. It's logic. It's not complicated. Where are you with your fruit? We don't like to admit it, but if we're honest with ourselves, we examine our lives, this is the true measure of where we are in our relationship with Christ. Where are we with the fruit? Where are we with the love, a Christ-like love? Where are we with joy? 
a life of joy regardless of circumstances. Where are we with peace? Where are we with patience? Where are we with goodness, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control? You know what happens when you find yourself disconnected from the vine? I don't know much, but I've learned one thing more than anything else. And please pay note, take note of this. I learned one thing more than anyone else in my 12 years as a priest. And I promise you, this applies to every single person here. You have no idea what you are capable of when you are disconnected from the vine. We judge other people. We judge other people. Man, that guy cheated on his wife. Man, I would never cheat on my wife. Man, that guy lives for his job. Job is like number one. He's sacrificing his family. Man, I'd never let that happen. Man, that person, you're so petty. They don't let nothing go. Gossip about it like that person. I promise you, when you are not connected to the vine, you will be them and worse than them. Because there are better people than you who have done worse things. Better people than you. You know who I tell this to all the time? I tell this to, to engaged couples preparing for wedding. And forgive me, I'm not trying to like, or forgive me, but I'm telling the truth. I tell this to engaged couples. Watch your purity. Guard your purity. And they say, no, 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 we're good. Trust me. There are people better than you who have made mistakes. People better than you. There's nothing that you are not capable of doing when you are disconnected from the vine. I promise you. St. Paul said it this way. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Look, I'm not saying you. I'm saying me. I'm saying every one of us. Uh, person, husband, wife, priest, bishop, monk, whatever. All of us. When we are disconnected from that vine, you will be shocked at the stuff that you are capable of doing and the degrees to which you are falling because that branch, once it's disconnected from the vine, loses everything that it has. So the million-dollar question that we want to talk about now, how to stay connected. How do you stay connected to the vine? I don't want to make it like a formula because the truth is, how do you connect to a vine? How does this thing connect to the vine? There's lots of ways. Prayer, is that a way? Prayer is a way you connect to the vine. Reading my Bible, does that work? Uh, when we fellowship together, when we go to life group, we open up the word of God together, we share our lives, we're vulnerable with one another. Is that connecting to the vine? Absolutely. Some people like to sing in their room, okay? They like to worship God through song, okay? As St. Paul says, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, absolutely. When we give, when we serve, when we volunteer, we, 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 we commune with God through that, right? Lots of ways that we connect to the vine. Jesus didn't give a formula. But what Jesus did is give a couple principles, all right, general principles. And, and I, I believe when it comes to, to so many things in the spiritual life, how do I connect to the vine? 80% of connecting to the vine is desire. 20% is form. 80% of it is my desire. I say, I want to connect to the vine. Believe me, if you say that, you, you are more than halfway there. If you say, God, today I want to connect to you. You'll find a way through prayer, through your Bible, through whatever. Like, you'll find a way. You listen to a sermon, you read a book, you'll find a way. The form is only 20%, if even 20%. But my fear is we switch. We spend 80% of our time, should I read this passage or this passage? Should I say this prayer? Should I face this way or face this way? Should I have this foot up or this foot up? Like, what should I serve in this or should I serve it? And we spend all our time on this, and I'm telling you, this, solve this, don't worry about this. You got this, 
God will take care of this. 80% of it is desired. 20% of it is formed. And I'll be honest, I even said 80-20. I want to go 90-10 to be honest. Because I really think that it's, if you are seeking, then you will find. That's what Jesus promises us in Matthew chapter 7. But a couple principles that Jesus gave in this same speech. When he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Who abides in me bears much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. He gave a couple principles a couple verses later in this same passage. First principle he says, and it sounds simple. Do what Jesus says. How you stay connected is you do what Jesus says. John chapter 15, verse 10, he said, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Lord, how will I abide? If you keep my commandments, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Parents, you're going to help me out on this one. Give you an example, and parents will help me out. Say I go to my kid, and I say, kid, clean your room. Clean your room. So the kid says, okay. He goes up to his room. And you know how it is, parents, when you tell the kids to go up to clean the room, and it's very quiet. It means they do nothing. They come back down 10 minutes later and try to watch TV. Say, did you clean your room? Well, I memorized what you told me about cleaning my room. I memorized it. So you said, clean my room. Did you clean your room? Well, I got a tattoo, okay, of clean your room in Greek and Hebrew, okay, so that I'll never forget and I can show everyone that I believe in cleaning my room. Did you clean your room? See, what I did is I got four friends. We got together, we went to this coffee shop, okay, and we studied what does it mean to clean your room? And we studied it in Greek, and in Greek, it actually is the word klineo, okay, which means to clean with fortitude, okay? Did you clean your room? You see where I'm going with this. I'll be honest. A lot of times, people come, and how come God isn't this, and how come this? Clean your room. Did you clean your room? You read a commandment in the Bible? God confirmed it through the circumstances. Your gut is telling you to do it. Everything is around you telling you to do it. Did you clean your room? Don't tell me that you know you're supposed to clean your room. Don't tell me you teach others to clean the room. Don't tell me you got a tattoo on your forehead. Did you clean your room? If you are my child and you did not clean your room, you will not watch TV, period, until you clean your room. How many of us is God telling us today, clean your room? I told you, start investing in your marriage. Stop doing, investing in all your other relationships. Invest in your wife or your husband or your kids. Stop it. Invest in them. Clean your room. How many of us is God is saying, stop staying up late, doing whatever you do, go to sleep, get up early and spend time with me. Clean your room. How many of us God is saying, stop being materialistic, stop being selfish. You need to take the money in your pocket. You need to be generous with it. Clean your room. Your time doesn't all belong to you. Clean your room. And until you're ready to clean your room, you are not ready for the fruit of the Spirit. You are not ready for the fruit of the Spirit. Parents, we do not reward our kids for memorizing our rules. We reward our kids for doing them. And God is the same way. And oftentimes, as a child, okay, what would my child say? I say, you have to clean your room to watch TV, my child would say, why? Why do I got to clean my room to watch TV? The TV's right there. The room is up there. What's the connection? Like, I'm in front of the TV. Everything's fine. Doesn't matter what's up there. Why? 
As children, we don't often see the connection between things. And I think the same thing with God. We say, God, give me this. God says, go do that. We say, why? I'll do that later. I want this. Give me this. But God connects that with that. Anytime in the Bible, Jesus did that? John chapter 9. Man, born blind. Day he was born, no eyes in his eye socket. Give me sight, Lord. I need to be healed. Okay, you want to be healed? So Jesus spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. Excuse me? I need eyes. Okay, here's some mud. There's a river. Go. No, Jesus, I need eyes. I need medicine. Like, put your hand on my head. Like, make the sign of the cross. Do something, okay? Do something. Get, like, do something with my eyes. I don't need mud. I got mud. There's mud all over the place. Rivers all over the place. I don't need mud. I need eyes. Jesus said to him, clean your room. The man was smart enough to obey. He went, he washed, came back seeing. You know what I love about this? You know what I love about this? It is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine words. The miracle, honestly, I promise you, the miracles, the fruit is nine words. That's all it is. That's all. And actually, so he went and washed. That's actually the first half. Came back seeing. Like, when we go clean the room, it's not hard for God to turn on the TV. Go clean your room. Okay, now I'll turn on. It's one button. Clean your room. You, uh, you TV and we, whatever it is you want, just go clean your room. It's not hard for God to give us fruit. It's not hard for God to give us love. It's not hard for God to give us joy. These things are not hard for God. He's the vine. Go clean your room. For this blind man, do you think there was power in the mud? you think there was power in the river? Where was the power that did his miracle? Where was the power? In the mud? In the river? Or in the obedience? Go clean your room, first thing Jesus says. Second thing, after we do what Jesus says, love like Jesus loves. And that's the next verse that we find in John chapter 15. Jesus gives us a simple command, but then as he always does, he gives us something simple, but then he ups the ante. Look what he says. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. Fruit. That my joy may remain in you. Fruit. And that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Man, don't you and I wish that this sentence had a period at the end of that line. Don't you? I wish this sentence ended that you love one another, period. Don't you? Because then it would have been easy. Then I said, yeah, Lord, I love them. He didn't say love people. He says, love as I have loved you. Love as I have loved you. And when he says that, he takes it from here. How does loving others lead to the fruit of the Spirit? Like, what's the connection? Well, we already agreed a minute ago that we won't, oftentimes won't understand the connection. We already agreed that. That oftentimes, the clean your room makes no connection to the, the, the TV, the mud, to the eye, like, makes no sense sometimes. So, first thing is, we don't need to understand it in order to benefit from it. Let's see if we can understand it a little. Why loving others as Jesus leads to fruit in my life. Why? Let's back up a little bit 
and, 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 and understand the disciples, the mindset of the disciples. The disciples were good guys. They left everything to follow Christ. So I'm not in any way knocking them. They were great guys. They're better than me and you. But they're a little slow sometimes, as understandably you would be as well. Jesus kept trying to hammer something home in their heads that to be the greatest, you should be the least. To be the master of all, be the servant of all. Kept trying to hammer this home. The my kingdom isn't like a muscle and guns. and It's not that kind of kingdom. It's the kind of kingdom where the greatest is the least. All right? They didn't get it. Even on the way to this meal, the Bible says as they were going to the Passover, they were walking down the road together, what were they discussing? Which one of us would be the greatest? Hey, where are you going to sit where I'm going to sit? I'm going to be number one, you be number one A, and I'm going to stand here and I'm going to tell him. You know what I mean? That's, that, that's, how, that's how they were always thinking. So Jesus said, let me show you a visual. And that's why I said in John chapter 13, what does he do? Gets them the Last Supper, gets on his hands and knees, washes their feet. And after he washes their feet, he says this. Jesus answered and said to them, I'm sorry, while he's washing their feet. He answered and said, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. So I'm about to wash your feet, and you don't get what I'm about to do, but just trust me, it's a good thing. And he goes on, verse 12. Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you do these things, I'm sorry, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. There's a mystery here. The word mystery is very important in Christianity. Because mystery means something that we know but we can't explain, okay? Something that we know, not that we guess, but we know, but we can't explain. Example of a mystery, okay, the church teaches us that the sacraments, okay, the word sacrament, a better term, okay, is the word mysteries. Communion is a mystery. Baptism is a mystery. Wedding is a mystery. How does it mean two people walk in one flesh walk, two become one? What's that mean? It's a mystery. I don't know, but I know that it's true. I can't explain, but I know. So mystery is I know, but I can't explain. What does it mean the bread become body? I, I can't explain, but I know. What does it mean that baptism and, and salt? Like, I, don't, don't ask me those things. I know, but I can't explain. This is a mystery. What Jesus said right here is that when you wash one another's feet, meaning when you love one another as I have loved you, you know who you become? Who do you become? You become... You become me. The most Christ-like thing that you can do. What made Jesus different than anybody else is the way he loved people who didn't deserve to be loved. The way he forgave people who didn't deserve to be forgiven. The way he cared about people who didn't deserve to be cared about. Agree? And you are never more like Christ. You are never more, you look like this. This is how you look. This is how I look. This deserves to be thrown away and burned in the fire. But somehow, when we do what Jesus does, and we love like Jesus loved, we graft ourselves into the tree, and we become one with the tree. And now, it's no longer me and you. We're him. We're little Christ on this earth. I heard a nice uh, a sermon the other day. Just, uh, I don't know when it was I heard. Yesterday or the day before, or something like that. 
He's talking about how in Christianity, we don't oftentimes realize what the goal is. Like, if you go to medical school, the goal is to become a doctor. You go to law school, the goal is to become a lawyer. All right? You go to church, what's the goal? To become what? Bored? Tired? Poor? Like, what's the goal? Miserable? The goal is to become Christ. Like, I want to enter the church. I want to do what the church teaches me to do, study what it teaches me to study, obey, do this so that I can look like Christ. I can think like Christ, I can walk like Christ, talk like Christ. I want to be like Christ. I want to be Christ on this earth. That's what I want to be because I want to be like my master. As my master is, I want to be like my master. That's what a disciple is, someone who's like their master. You are never more like your master than when you are doing what Jesus tells you to do and loving how Jesus taught us to love. And it's a mystery. And you know what happens when you become like Jesus? You know what happens when you become one with him? You know what he's full of? You know what's all around him? Fruit. Love. He is love. Joy. He's all joy. Peace. He is the peace. He's the one who says to the storm, peace. He is patience. He is kindness. He is goodness. He is long uh, uh, faithfulness. He is self-control. We do what he teaches us to do. We love like he teaches us to love. Then we look at this verse in John chapter 15, verse 5, where it said that he who abides in me bears much fruit. We look at that, and all of a sudden, we start to realize that that's us. Look, I want to leave you with this thought. You want fruit in your life. I want fruit in my life. On your own. I don't care if you're worse than this today. I don't care if you start worse than this. There's hope for this. By itself, there's no hope. Zero hope. Even if this thing has apples and, and, and pears and stuff hanging off it today, the second I pull it off the tree, you lost all hope. No hope. I don't care how bad this is today. I plug this bad boy into the vine. And if I'm patient and I stick with it and I do what Jesus does, I love what Jesus loves, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to come back a year and you'll find a little fruit. Maybe not the biggest fruit in the whole wide world. Maybe I'm not going to be like a, a, a ready to be a martyr ready to be beheaded for my faith. But you know what? I may be ready to, to small, make a small witness for Christ. So you know what? I'm ready. And then maybe I find a little fruit up here about uh, self-control. All these things that I struggle with this much. Maybe it's like this much now. Little fruit. Maybe over here in the love area. Like I'm lonely. I feel alone. I feel like nothing. And maybe my outside circumstances haven't changed. But maybe you come me a year from now and you see a little love fruit right here, which says that I know Jesus loves me and I love him. And that satisfies me. You're the branch. There's lots of false vines. None of those false vines are given to you, but you connect to the true vine and you stay connected. And you do like Jesus does. You, I'm sorry, you do what Jesus says. You love like he loved. And I promise you, you stay with it, you stay with it, you stay with it, you stay with it. You will find fruits popping up in your life that you never even thought was possible. Let's stand up together and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you that you are the true vine. And you can see some value, some benefit, even though all of us look like that branch. And on our own, Lord, nothing good comes from us. We try to bring good. We try to make ourselves good. We try to, like, fill ourselves with all these things. But, Lord, none of that stuff is real fruit. 
I pray that you'd help us to connect to you, Lord, and stay connected. And that you'd help us to start bearing fruit in our lives, like real fruit, like a small little real fruit is better than all the fake fruits in the whole wide world. Let, Lord, that our, 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 our church body here, that every person who's here now, that we go out and, and we go our separate directions, but we all connect to you and we stay connected to you and you start to bear fruit in people's lives, fruit of love, fruit of joy, fruit of peace, fruit of patience, fruit of kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, and fruit of self-control. We're praying, Lord, that you start to bring those things in our lives and we believe that you are the vine and that if we abide in you, you will bear much fruit in our lives. We thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for always having your arms open to us and accepting us no matter what we look like. Pray that you would accept our prayers this day in the name of your Son with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Next week, we will wrap up the series with our finale, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You don't want to miss next week. Have a great week. Thank you.